Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Now, before I lose 75% of you, I know a lot of you are married. I believe this is a message that really applies to all of us. Um, the reason behind that is at some point in your life, you won't be having sex. Whether it's, God forbid, you get divorced or widowed, or you have to spend a season not having sex due to a physical issue. We all go through times where we're not having sex. Also, I think it's important for those of us who are married to be able to teach our children how to value purity, right? So this is an important message, I believe. So today we're going to look at some different ways we can approach our sexuality when we're not having sex. Sound good? Awesome. You all look so excited. So we're going to start today by talking about a really bad television show that I've been watching. Um, you know that it's a bad television show because it's on MTV. You know that it's a terrible television show because it has the title Virgin Territory. Yes, Virgin Territory. And there might not be any redeemable quality to this show. It is truly terrible. And before you start judging me on why are you watching this terrible show, Aaron, let me tell you why. I'm a youth pastor, right, in Kalamazoo. And I, I want to be up to date with what young people may or may not be watching. So I saw an advertisement for this show and I said I'm going to give a couple minutes and watch it just to get an idea of what young people might be watching. And then it was like a hideous, horrific car wreck. I could not look away. And I ended up watching a couple episodes of this show, and that was enough. Um, and, it, and as I said, it was awful, and it really exceeded my expectations for awfulness. Um, let me tell you why. Um, sex was treated as something that was supposed to be and expected to be explored before marriage. Another thing that this, this TV show was teaching people was that virginity shouldn't be seen as a gift, but as a cheap token of affection for whoever that high school crush maybe, or virginity as a label to rid yourself of before you get to college. In this show, no one wanted to be the college freshman virgin. And it followed a series of of young people on their quest either to stay pure or to lose their virginity. Most of them wanted to lose their virginity. And it captured this one guy who's 22 years old, And he literally breaks down crying on camera because he hasn't lost his V-card. If you're not hip with the lingo, V-card, virginity. He hadn't lost his virginity, and he was really upset about that. Through the course of the show, he does lose his virginity. He has sex with a girl who he has no romantic relationship with whatsoever, she kind of just does it, does it as a favor to the guy. Anyway, after they have sex, this show captures his post-sex reactions. And he gets on camera with his goofy grin on his face. And he says, once you do it, you're not going to regret it. You're going to want more. If that is not bad enough, there was another girl who was featured on this show. And she grew up in the church also a virgin, engaged to be married, saving herself for her husband. And it follows her as she makes her preparations 
for the wedding day, and more importantly for the wedding night and for the honeymoon. And it captures all of her awkward conversations with her husband-to-be as they talk about how weird it will be having sex and that kind of thing. It also documents this really awkward discussion that the two of them have with their pastor, whose only advice to the two of them about the wedding night was this. Don't get your hopes up. The sex might not be that good. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you for the godly wisdom. I'm sure, I mean, he might have had other wisdom that he offered, but it was edited out. I don't know. But the point being, with this show and with a lot of what's in the media today, is that sex outside of marriage is portrayed as exciting, right? And fun and praiseworthy. Sex within marriage, according to Virgin Territory, is restricting, it's boring, it's uncomfortable. And, that, and that's what um, the, this girl who was being followed in the show, she also gave her post-sex reactions, and that's what she said. She was basically disappointed. That it was uncomfortable. It was weird. And that's what's being portrayed in the media. Not just on this show, folks. It's being portrayed everywhere. Books, magazines, movies, internet pornography. And as the church, we need to know the truth about sex. What does the Bible have to say about sex? What does it have to say about purity? And we need to not be afraid to talk about it within the four walls of the church and not be too awkward to talk about it outside of the church. And more importantly, I believe single Christians need to be living abundant, full, pure lives that speak the truth about the value of purity to the culture. And that's what I want to talk about today is how do we live out lives that are abundant, full, pure, and that speak value or speak of the value of purity to those around us. Does that sound good? Awesome. So, let's see if we can get this guy to work. That's okay. I'll kind of give you a hand signal or something when I switch the slides, but you can go ahead and click the next one. Is that working? Is that me or you? Oh, you. All right. So today we're going to um, look at a few different things. We're going to first talk about what does the Bible say about purity? Um, you can click the next one. How should singles approach their sexuality? We'll look at five different approaches that I think a lot of people take. And then we'll look at practical ways to stay pure but not bury our sexuality. So that's where we're going. Sound good? Awesome. Let's start with this. Um, you can click the next slide. We'll frame this message with a statement. Um, God is good. All that he creates is good. God created sex. So it is good. Um, The devil doesn't create anything. He twists what God creates. Um, So God created sex as this good thing, and the enemy twists it, right? Um, John Piper, and you can, there it is. It's kind of small. I apologize. I'm going to read it. This quote from um, Pastor John Piper, who talks about this, and he says it better than I ever could. He says, Satan does not create sexual desire. It is good, and he never produced anything good. His whole aim is to ruin what God created to be good. There are two ways you can ruin a pearl. You can cut it out of the oyster before it matures, or you can feed it to the swine. Satan does his best to cut off 
sexual desire from the oyster of God's grace and truth. If he can get people to isolate sex from the reality of God, he has virtually destroyed its true meaning and its beauty. He also does his best to take the pearl of sexual desire and instead of putting it in the pendant of marriage, feed it to the swine of fornication and adultery and pornography. I think he says this really well. And what the message that's being portrayed to us here is that um, the enemy tries to cut off sexuality from the truth and the grace and the love of God. And if he's able to do that, he's also able to separate sex from marriage. And the Bible is clear. You can go ahead and click the next slide that sex is a gift designed for a man and a woman in marriage. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse two. Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her husband. You can look at um, Mark chapter 10, verse 7. Jesus says a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So sex is designed to bring physical, emotional, spiritual unity to a husband and wife. But even outside of marriage, Sex brings people together. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. Pastor Cameron, maybe a month or so ago, gave a great talk about um, relationship knots or soul ties. And, the, and how destructive those can be and how we can become f- free from those. If you want to get yourself in a relationship knot or a soul tie, a good way to do that is to have sex outside of marriage. That's what Paul tells us. A few verses later in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. This word flee in the Greek, what does it mean? It means to flee. It means to literally run away. To seek safety from danger. There is, an, there is an inherent danger in sexual immorality. Now, what does sexual immorality mean? In the Greek, and I'm not a biblical scholar, I believe the word is porneia, and it didn't just mean the act of sex outside of marriage. This was a much broader term, and it meant any sexual gratification apart from marriage. This could include a number of things. Pornography, Romance novels, daydreaming, lustful stares. And if you grew up in the church like I did, you've probably heard verses like this or read them. The church is really good at telling us what not to do, right? But what are we supposed to do with our sexuality when we're not having sex? We know the Bible teaches us about the value of sexual purity. What do we do with our sexuality? It doesn't just go away, right? So let's look at five different ways you can approach your sexuality as a single person or when you're not having sex. You can just go ahead and put those up there. You can sin. You can suffer. You can settle. You can strive. Or you can surrender. We're going to look at each of these. How about we start with an obviously bad one? Sin. We can have sex with someone who is not our spouse. We can look at pornography and lust, daydream. Or it could be a little bit more subtle, right? Satan is 
a master manipulator. The way that he does this is, is says, you know, it's really not that bad. It's just subtle. It's secret, right? Like, hey, there's a um, Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition over here. I'm just going to peruse this real quick. Look for the articles. Keep looking. Keep looking. There are no articles. <laughs> Next thing you know, maybe you're looking at pictures of naked women. Or maybe you're looking at hardcore pornography. This is a real f- phenomenon that it builds on itself. I can say that from experience. What's the problem with this approach? What's the problem with sin? The problem is sin, even when we think it's subtle, even when we think it's secret, it separates us from God. And Paul says, actually, that sexual sin is kind of unique. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, it says, All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? As Christians, we believe that Christ died for us so that he could put his very Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, inside of us. So Paul's saying that we're a temple. We're like a temple of the Lord. And if you think of the Old Testament temple, right, God, God gave his people very detailed specifications for how the, the temples should look. They were beautiful. They were ornate, detailed, clean. So I think what the Bible's telling us here is that when we commit a sexual sin, we are desecrating that temple, the temple of the living God. So it would make sense that sexual sin in particular would affect our relationship with God. And I can speak to that from experience. I went through a season of my life where I struggled with a pornography addiction. And the reality is, is that I didn't feel as connected to God as I had in the past or as I do now. I didn't experience the Holy Spirit and worship as much. I struggled to hear God's voice and I was like, what is going on with this? What I discovered is sexual sin, even if it's secret, even if you think it's subtle, it's like a cancer. And although it's a sin against your body, it eats away at your spirit. It eats away at your relationship with God. Make sense? So that's not the best option. I wouldn't recommend that one. That's not sin. Another option we can take, another approach to our sexuality when we're not having sex is we can suffer. We can just suffer through it. We can say, oh, woe is me. I'm single. I'll never get to have sex. The gift of celibacy is actually a curse. I've been there. (laughs) What you'll notice is I've been through a lot of these. And the problem with this is you you can allow your singleness to define you. You can allow your lack of sex to define you or determine your value. And it's interesting, in Paul's life, singles really were devalued. I was reading a commentary recently that that explained that um, during this time, the Roman government was actually charging a fee or an extra tax to those that were unmarried because they believed that singles were bad for the economy. So it must have been incredibly radical when Paul said that it was actually good for you to be single. And when he said, I wish all of you were like me and being single, right? 
That was a radical thing to say in that day. And it's just as radical today. We don't put our value in our sexuality or our singleness or our lack of singleness or whatnot. So what's the problem with, the, with, with this approach, with suffering? The problem with suffering is you suffer. It's depressing. You leave God out of the picture because suddenly sex or marriage has become your God. Another approach we can take, if we can settle, well, I know I can't have sex outside of marriage. So I'm just going to lower my expectations for a spouse. That makes sense. So maybe your standards start off like this. I want him to be handsome, intelligent, funny, man of God. You've had a, then you have a series of disappointments. You're getting frustrated. And suddenly he doesn't have to be that handsome or smart or funny anymore. We don't need those things. Then maybe it becomes, he doesn't have to be spiritually mature. More disappointments, more frustrations. Actually, he doesn't even have to be a believer. I can change him. Before you know it, he's breathing. He's male. He's attracted to me. Let's go for it. And I might be exaggerating a little bit, but that's the reality. That's what happens when you begin to compromise. It, be, it just builds on itself. And I was tempted to take this option. I didn't. And a pastor I, I, I once heard said, it's, it's better to struggle through being single than to be miserable and married. I don't want to hear any amens from the married people. We all have wonderful marriages. All right. So it's a problem with this. The problem with settling is that you rob yourself of the joy of God's best for you. God desires for you to have an awesome partner in life. Number four. Another way we can approach our sexuality when we're not having sex. We can strive. This one I struggle with a lot. Basically saying, I can pick myself up by my bootstraps and I can do this on my own strength. I can stay pure on my own strength. I can conquer my sexuality. I can put the brakes on my sex drive. I was lying to myself. Can't do it. Can't kill your sex drive. Why not? God created your sex drive. And the, and, and the problem with this approach is that the process of trying to kill your sex drive takes a lot out of you. And when you inevitably fail, which, which happens, you give in to a sexual desire, it produces shame in your life. This particular approach in particular um, produces shame because you're depending on yourself to do something that God can only do for you. And you might be picking up on a theme as we've talked about these first four. All of them completely leave God out of the picture. Let's take a look at this, this fifth option. And this is the one that um, when I figured it out, it was just awesome. Um, you can surrender. You can surrender your body your sexuality to God. You can say, my body is not my own. My sexuality is not my own. 
You might be saying, Aaron, that's not true. It is my body. It is my sexuality. Well, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you believe Romans chapter 6, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Your body, your sexuality, they're gifts from God. And there's power in surrendering those things to Him and relying on Him for strength. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is this, what, what Paul, Paul is saying here is this is a complete surrender of, of everything, including your sexuality. What's another way of thinking about it? Um, you've heard it, the, the, the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add everything to you everything that you need. That includes sexually, whether he's going to provide the perfect spouse for you or the grace and the freedom to be single, pure, and content. Make sense? So what does this this act of surrender look like? You know, I grew up in the church, and I think I'm still trying to figure out what does it look like. But I think the the, the beginning of it is, is pretty simple. It starts with a prayer. Starts with a prayer saying, Lord, I surrender my sexuality, my body to you. I want to live out my sexuality um, according to your will and the way you designed it. It starts with that. And I'm not going to lie, there's more to it than that. And that's what we want to talk about now are practical ways that we can stay in that place of surrender, stay in that place of purity, and live lives that speak to the world the value of purity and the value of your relationship with God. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's look at some, I think I've got like seven practical things we can do when we go on this journey of being surrendered to God and we'll wrap up. Um, The first is we can pursue intimacy with God. Ultimately, we as humans all have this innate desire for intimacy. And the intimacy that I enjoy with my wife Adrian is just a, a small taste of the level of intimacy that the Lord desires with me. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16, Paul is talking about marriage, and he says, The two will become one flesh, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Even the closest and most intimate of marriages, think of that power couple that awesome, really, really closely knit couple, even they don't share the same spirit. But what God does is he invites us to share that spirit with him. He places his very Holy Spirit within us. That's a powerful thing. That fulfills that need for intimacy that each of us have is in God. What's another practical thing we can do? We can get in the word. If we want to stay pure, we have to be Immersed in truth. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we want to stay pure, we have to continually immerse ourselves in the truth and um, dig into the word. Another thing we can do. We can pursue close friendships. Um, We are created by God for, for relationship, for friendship. 
some of my fondest memories as a single person was hanging out with um, the people in our young adult community in Kalamazoo called Dwell. And it was really awesome. You know, we spent lots of time together talking about life, love, God, going on road trips, simple stuff like that. But I was also privileged to have a group of friends around me that also valued purity, that wanted to live out um, pure lives in every aspect of their life, but especially sexually. And we were able to, you know, with my closer friends, I was able to keep accountable. We were able to keep each other accountable on our journeys together. Accountability is so important. If you're struggling with any sin, really, but especially a habitual sexual sin, bring that to the light. Have accountability with people. This is an important one, and it's really practical. Number four, you can discover your manhood and womanhood. There is more to sexuality than the act of sex. Sex is another word for gender. As a side note, a friend of mine in third grade figured this out the hard way. We were taking one of those standardized tests, you know, where you fill out your name, your age, your grade, then it would ask for your sex. Under mine, I put male. And I looked over at my, my friend's test, not to cheat, just a little glance, and noticed that he had put none in that part of the form. And I was so confused, I, I, I leaned over and I said, buddy, do you have a problem? I mean, you put none under sex. And he, and he looked at me really seriously and said, Aaron, we're only in third grade. Of course I haven't had sex. <laughs> True story. A big part of our sexuality is figuring out what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. Guys, we need to be, work to become men who are prayerful, righteous, loving men who can lead a household, who can raise up young uh, men and women who love God. Women, what does it mean to be clothed, clothed with strength and dignity, to speak with wisdom and faithful instruction, to fear the Lord, as it says in Proverbs 31? Those are the questions to be asking ourselves and to discover on this journey with God. All right, number five. We can pursue a healthy body image. This one is really, really tough today. We live in a Photoshop generation, Photoshop culture, where everything on billboards, magazines, TV, gives us these high expectations for how we should look. And it's garbage. It is absolute garbage. Um, and God wants us to know that we, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Psalm 139, verse 14. I praise you because I'm fearfully... And wonderfully made, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And this is a big journey in and, in and of itself to become okay with your own body and to be able to look in the mirror and say, you are one good-looking gal or one good-looking guy. It's an important thing and it's a, part, it's a part of our sexuality. Number six, you can pray for your future spouse if you're single. And honestly, there, there will be people that are called to celibacy. I think the church maybe doesn't always teach about that, but it's a valuable thing. Some people will be called to, to be celibate and to live a single life. But for those who are not, praying for your future spouse is a big deal. I did it a little bit, not enough probably, but my mom did, which I thank her for a lot. She did it like probably every day. 
And she made it very clear to me that she was doing that. She told me all the time. And she rejoiced <laughs> about a year and a half ago when I, when I married my wife. So it's, it's a powerful thing. And the reason why is that when you're, when you're praying for your future spouse, you're thinking about them. You're saying, I want to be pure for that future person. So it helps with your purity, but it also doesn't completely bury your sexuality. So it's important. Number seven, the last one. Thank you for sticking with me through all these. The last one, this is a little different, is, is to explore all five senses. And I hadn't really thought about this one until recently when I read an article in Christianity Today. And I'm just going to read to you a, a portion of that article because she explains it really well. It's written by Anna Broadway. She's in her mid-30s, never been married, um, and committed to purity. And this is what she says. In his goodness, God has kept me single far longer than I ever wanted. Yet perhaps, precisely because I have stayed single for so long, I have been free to visit a dozen countries and more than 20 states, free to hear jazz in India, to feel equatorial rain on my skin in Singapore, to taste tiny fried shark in New Zealand, to smell sage and pignon in Santa Fe, and to see the 200-year-old home where my great-grandmother lived as a girl. Do then I define my single adulthood as saying no to sex or as stretching the boundaries of bodily experience ever outward? It's interesting. I don't think that, that, that God wants us to live single lives like we're in prison. Singleness is not a prison sentence. You can enjoy your body outside of having sex. I don't mean masturbation. I don't mean pornography. I mean, you can, you can enjoy all five senses like this woman was talking about. Let your body enjoy creation. God created us for that. But in order to do that, in order to do any of these seven things, we have to be in a place of surrender. We have to be surrendered to the Lord, like I said earlier. And that's really the big takeaway, I hope, for, for today, is that those other approaches that we, that we talked about ultimately don't work because God is not involved. We need to invite God into every aspect of our life, including our sexuality. And when we do that, if we surrender, we do some of these things, we'll discover more tips as we go along, God will lead us on a journey where we can discover true intimacy, where we can discover fullness of joy, fullness of life, um, fullness of adventure, all those things. Does that sound good? Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys.